You know, as marketers, we can often get pigeonholed into, oh, it can't be longer than 15 seconds. Oh, it can't be longer than eight seconds. And it's really hard to tell a story in eight seconds. And I've seen with Sephora and I've seen with the content that we've been creating recently that that people will watch a video if it's good. Hey, friends, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined by Adam Brown from Salesforce. We want to welcome you to our first season of Social Pros Deep Dives. For nearly 500 episodes, we've talked to a leader from a different company each week here on the show, but we've realized that social has gotten so important, so complex, so integrated into so many parts of major organizations that trying to summarize the whole social program of a big company in like 30 minutes, it it forces us to leave out a lot of detail that you, our amazing social pros community, might really learn from. And that's right, Jay. So that's why we created the Social Pros Deep Dives. It's a five-episode feature that looks at one organization and how they are using social across the entirety of their business. The result, more juicy details for social pros listeners like you. More social media details indeed, and we are excited that our first deep dive series focuses on Sam's Club, a brand that has absolutely revolutionized the role of social. Their social team has gone from two people to 50 people in just two years. And I know it's crazy. You'll hear about how social impacts the brand, organic, paid, social care, insights, listening, local store foot traffic, and a lot more across this five-episode sprint. And because you get a taste of this story right here from Sam's Club, we know you won't want to stop with Natalie on this episode. We're releasing all five Sam's Club episodes simultaneously. Binge them all. Think of it as a Netflix for audio. Indeed, a Netflix for audio. You can get all the episodes. This is episode two. You just heard at the top of the show from Natalie Height. She is the Associate Director of Brand Marketing at Sam's Club. She's responsible for that magic Venn diagram of brand and social media. We're excited to have her here on the second episode of the Social Pros Deep Dive Sam's Club edition. We're going to hear more from Natalie in just a second. Take a moment before we kick it off to thank our sponsors on the show this week. Of course, our friends at Salesforce who have the wisdom to employ Mr. Adam Brown, they have a report that I want you to download. You're going to learn a lot. It's called the sixth edition of the State of Marketing Report. It presents the insights of nearly 7,000 marketing leaders across the globe, all about their strategic priorities, their challenges, technology trends. It's really important research. It gets cited a lot now in the industry because it's so sound. Grab it. Won't cost you anything. Go to bit.ly slash new marketing report. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash new marketing report. That's all lowercase kids. Also, this week, our newest sponsor, our friends at Supermetrics. You know, we all know how hard it is to measure social media. We'll talk about that in this Social Pros Deep Dives. And it's not like we don't have numbers. In fact, I might argue we have too many numbers. It's a how do you organize them in a way that those numbers are then actionable inside the organization. And Supermetrics makes that seriously easy. You pull all your data automatically into great-looking dashboards that then you can make available to different people in the organization, inside, even outside agencies, et cetera. And so instead of spending hours gathering data and formatting stuff, you just click a couple buttons and it looks pretty and it's good to go. My team at Convince and Convert partnered with Supermetrics to create a really slick social media metrics template for you to download 
along with a free 14-day trial of Supermetrics. You're going to love this. Go to supermetrics.com slash social-pros. Supermetrics.com slash social-pros. And lastly, this week, a uh, show continues to be sponsored by Upfluence. I get asked at least once a week from somebody who says, hey, do you know what this company is doing in terms of their influencer marketing? Like I have some kind of influencer marketing, uh, you know, crystal ball, and I don't. And if I did know that information, it would be really useful. Obviously, influencer marketing is super popular. It's really effective. We'll talk about that in this deep dive. We've been talking about it here on the show a lot over the last 18 months. Upfluence provides brands and agencies with all the tools they need to build better influence campaigns and take their influencer marketing to the next level. They've got this great report called Brand Influence Ranking, where in the report, you get all-in-one access and insights to the top performing brands on social. And it actually looks at their best influencer campaigns, real metrics, real success equations. It's it's kind of like some detective work for the top performing influencer programs. It's slick. You're going to love it. I learned a lot myself. Go to bit.ly slash brand influence ranking. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash brand influence ranking all lowercase but you know who's uppercase adam natalie height she's here on social shows natalie show hi thank you so much for having me i'm glad to be here tell us a little bit in since we're we were doing this social pros deep dives tell us a little bit about sort of your remit what is what is your role there in the sam's social ecosystem as we mentioned in the first episode with sabrina we are going to have an org chart uh, on all the social pros episodes that feature sam so if you go to socialpros.com we'll have a little org chart so you can see kind of where natalie uh, fits visually but maybe you could give us a little description please Absolutely. So I'm I'm sort of the brand half of what we call the uh, social and brand diagram. So I'm responsible for developing our strategy for the brand for the year and then figuring out how we bring that to life across campaigns and across channels. And of course, that includes social as a major component of our strategy. One of the things we talked about in the last episode, and you heard a little bit in their introduction today is how significantly social has grown at Sam's and you were there before all of this, right? So you have a really unique before after perspective on the growth of social, its its role in the organization. Talk about that a little bit. That that must you have sort of a ringside seat to something that's that's kind of extraordinary. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm one of the quote unquote old heads in the Sam's Club organization. I've been at the company for about five years. So that tells you the pace at which we are growing and changing that, uh, that I'm one of the old guys after five years. You know, when we think about how we've driven the company and how the, how much the company has grown, it is a, it's, it's amazing to look at the way that we've shifted what our messaging is and the way that we're trying to connect with people. I started out and uh, really cut my teeth in traditional media. When we're trying to reach people to drive sales and drive ROAS, the most efficient way to do that was to target our members directly through mail. And of course, we, we still do that. That's still a major sales driving component of the company. But then as Tony Rogers came on board, as Sabrina came on board, and we sought to really revolutionize the brand, we we had this unique opportunity to take a company that was 
already very strong from a revenue perspective and then add this this layer of brand and meaning on top of that. Um, so for, for my part and the brand and really defining what we stand for, that's been an interesting journey to, to watch and to participate in. We did um, some focus groups several years ago and looked at our members and, and the way that they were using the club and what they were doing and realized we've got some amazing people out there. They're taking the products that we have, and and it's not just about the shopping experience and the buying. It's what they then go and do with it. They're hosting the best backyard soccer end of season party. <laughs> They're, you know, participating in church and in their church activities. And so we came up with this brand promise of we turn the everyday into something special. And as we started to think about our audiences, we realized that turning the everyday into something special resonated far beyond just our members. And so our strategy shifted a little bit from just contacting existing members and getting them to um, to engage with us or contacting prospects and getting them to convert to really um, aligning both of those groups against our brand promise and what we stand for, and then also engaging our associates. That's been a huge component of our strategy for the past year and will be going into this year as well, that we have this opportunity to engage with the people who are our our first point of contact with members and ensure that they're acting in a way that lives out our brand promise as well. Natalie, we are so excited to have you on this uh, second uh, deep dive show. And I think this gives us a wonderful opportunity to, again, go a little deeper than we typically go with our shows. And your role is, is so fascinating. And especially, I believe, that idea that you came from more traditional media. And I was curious you know, it's a little bit of a chicken or the egg question, but did you find as you moved into social that the, the voice and the tone and the conversational style social had an influence kind of on what and how you used this new media? Or was that already kind of the voice of, of Sam's Club? I know one of the things that Sabrina talked about was that this was a huge transformation point in terms of your brand revisioning and everything else that you're doing right now. Talk a little bit about kind of what that role, kind of how it materialized and, and, and what led what. So I actually started my career in public relations. Uh, so I spent about seven or eight years in public relations before I transitioned into marketing. And that's where that messaging and that tone and voice was really important. As I have seen Sam's Club shift to being more of a digitally led marketing organization, it's been at the same time as this incredible confluence of social media within the rest of our lives. So it made a lot of sense for us to borrow things from social media, like the use of hashtags, the use of phrases, as we were developing our brand voice. We have this um, this brand voice that we developed that we call the bold bestie. I tend to think of her as female, but uh, bold bestie can certainly be gender fluid. But the bold bestie is someone who it's sort of giving you the in, like this is maybe a thing that you didn't know about that you could get at Sam's Club. Here's a little secret that I'm going to let you in on. She's witty. She's very dry. You know, she's always going to tell it to you straight, but with a little bit of humor. And I think that um, what is a really big part of the way that our brand comes to life on social and across other media. So that bold, dusty tone and voice is 
really a, um, that bold, bestie tone and voice really comes to life across our brand and not only in social, but also across our, our traditional and our print media. But it absolutely is something that's driven by social because that is the way that humans communicate today. Um, so we've certainly borrowed from social best practices to drive that voice. So fascinating. You think about the evolution of social media and we started off Adam with brands taking their offline tone and baking it into social. And now it's exactly, yeah. And now it's exactly flipped upside down. It's like, all right, we take the social tone and and bake it into traditional, uh, which I find just remarkable in, you know, a decade or something to, to see how that has, has gone upside down is, is pretty amazing. It's interesting as well. When I talk about that confluence of, offline and online that also goes back to public relations because we've taken that direction as well. Um, and in many cases, social is leading the way because that is the fastest way to communicate with our members. And so we, if we think about what happened over, over the past year and we needed to communicate really quickly with our members, we're changing our hours, we're closing our clubs, we're pivoting to only being open for for heroes in certain groups. We worked very closely and have this incredible synergy with our PR department, but ultimately a lot of those types of announcements came to life through social because that was the the best and the fastest way to reach people. When you're thinking about big branding initiatives at Sam's Club, Today, is it always there's a social component or are there some that don't have social or some that are social only? What is sort of the complement of, of opportunities that, that you're working on? We try to take a social first approach in all of our um, brand campaigns. So I would say 100% of the brand campaigns that I'm working on have a social component because that's the very first place that we see them coming to life. That's one of the very first touch points that we have uh, with our with our members and with prospects when we're putting media behind a campaign. Um, so I really like to think about that customer journey or member journey, prospect journey. It's it's three different breakouts for for a warehouse retailer like us. But I think about that journey and it it typically starts with social or it starts in the club. So we've got um, this this, um, two-way conversation happening between the physical experience and the digital experience. You may go into the club and see this fantastic signage treatment with a QR code or a um, a URL that's linking you back to something that we're doing online. You may get a push notification. You may see it on social first, and that drives you to the club. So really thinking through all of the different touch points in the customer journey and um, creating this, this sort of conversation between everything that we have. And and I think I've seen that be a shift as well. We we talked about brands in the olden days taking their offline voice and just replicating it online. It's taken us some time to understand that that the message and the the call to action should be slightly different across those different experiences when we're interacting with our members. This social first thing is, is so wonderful, right? Wonderful for us as social pros. And I know Jay and I can remember back when we were having to beg, borrow, and steal to uh, to get budgets for our social programs at our respective companies and, and clients. I'm curious, Natalie, how does that change 
how you work with other marketing departments. In some cases, marketing departments that may have been kind of that, you know, you know media first uh, or another strategy. Is, is, it, is it a collaboration? Um, how does this come down from Tony, your CMO? And is, how is that social strategy put together and then divvied out to the respective marketing and communications and public relations organizations? Well, at Sam's Club, we actually operate a pretty lean and mighty marketing department. So it's, it's wonderful that we've got... Um, a, a lot of flexibility in terms of the amount that an individual can contribute because we run so lean. And then also just a, a shared understanding of the way that we're going to manage campaigns. So for my part, um, and, and when we're talking about brand campaigns, we start with that social first approach, and then we work with the channel owners across the department and and, and again, think through that customer journey and the, those different touch points and what makes sense for us. How long do you give yourself to work on these kind of big brand campaigns before they're deployed? I mean, you're a complex organization. You've got a lot of vendor partners. You've got lots and lots and lots and lots of local clubs. You have a lot of stakeholders involved in any big things that, that you do. So if somebody says, all right, we need to do a big brand campaign around, I don't know, Halloween or something. Uh, when, when do you start working on that? That's the beautiful thing about social, right, is that you can act so quickly. Um, so I'm doing both. Right now, it's March. We're thinking about what are our plans for holiday. I think in the, the <laughs> life of any marketer, you always don't really know what time of year it is. Um, but at the same time, we're incredibly nimble and we're listening to our customers on a daily basis and we're reacting to things. So I've, I'm thinking about things that are launching tomorrow and the same headspace that I'm thinking about things that are launching six or eight months from now, which is a fantastic position to be in because then you not only have a strategy, but you already have this roadmap for how that strategy is going to come to life for the entire year. But in the pre-social era or, or when we didn't do as much social, uh, you didn't necessarily have that quick response opportunity. So you only had the the six or eight month cadence. So so honestly, no one's listening. Don't we just you can just tell us the truth, Natalie. Uh, was it easier then than it is now? Oh man, that's a that's a good one. You know, here here's what I'll say, and this isn't uh, this isn't to dig my fellow marketers. What what I found to be an easier transition was from PR to marketing. You know, and in, in the PR space, we always joked um, we have to work for our placements, but those marketers they all they have to do is buy them. So, um, you know, I I think it's easier and thinking about the transition from being more traditional media focused to being more digitally media focused. Um, I don't know that it is that it is easier or harder. I would say it's it's incredibly similar because you are still working against those long timelines. I think it's um, it's empowering to also have the bandwidth to to do things on a quick turn. But then we're also partnering with our our, our co-marketers in the traditional space to get things um, to get things done that are in the future. Natalie, walk us through kind of that, that, that strategy you look at in terms of, of how you communicate your messages. I think one of the things I know from, from being a Sam's Club member for decades is, as you mentioned at the top, you, you have your associate communications, you've got your partner and vendor associations, you have your member 
conversations and then you have your prospective conversations. I would love to know how you're distinguishing between those and how you're distinguishing with different members, whether it's a mom and dad of a large family who are there buying some uh, some some cupcakes uh, for their for their kid's birthday party versus somebody who has a small medium business, maybe a small restaurant and they're buying food for uh, for their store. Are you identifying those different audiences at that specific level and creating and curating content for each of them? Yeah, I think one of the beautiful things about working for such a large company and working in social media specifically for a large company is that we have this opportunity to represent and connect with a very broadly diverse set of people. We've got our, our members. And, and if you think about audience in terms of members, prospects, associates, those are some pretty big buckets. And then within that, we have people with different life views, um, different backgrounds, people coming from different cultures. And we're we really have this opportunity to connect with them on a human level. And that's, that's what social media is for. We have, um, a lot of, a lot of brands, you know, are, are, are in this emerging space in the same way as we are and, and trying to put their own message out there. But I think for Sam's club, one of the things that we're trying to do is, is demonstrate the humanity of the hundred thousand associates and the millions and millions of members that we have. And, if we were going to take on this journey and we were going to, to really grow our social media presence in the past year, boy, wasn't 2020 the year to do it, right? And that wasn't that the best opportunity that one could have to say, we're here, we're human, we see you. And we really do try to do that for, for our members. Um, in terms of targeting and creating content, um, I, I tend to think about it like, Yes, there are, there are two approaches. In some cases, I am creating content for a very specific audience, such as a prospect group that loves to host, that is buying those cupcakes from the uh, for the for the birthday party. And then I also think about um, our organic channel as being a space where we can do some good. And I, that's one of the things I love about working at Sam's club is you don't have to work for a nonprofit to spread awareness about, um, social issues. You don't have to work for a nonprofit to demonstrate that there is good to be done in the world. Natalie, one of the things I find really fascinating about how Sam's club operates is how robust your insights and experimentation program is. And I know we'll talk about this a little bit more in, in another episode of the deep dive, but I'd love for you to set it up, right? That, that you're not just winging it and saying, Hey, this seems like a fun thing that members or prospective members might like. Uh, you, you really are tapped into the ethos and the, and the pathos of those audiences in a way that I think creates better storytelling. Can you talk about that a little bit, please? Yeah, I love creating um, content for these audiences. And I think about it as sort of a right brain, left brain approach. There's there's art and there's science. The, the science part, we are consistently doing insights and qual and looking at member shopping behaviors and correlations between different activities that members are doing and, and trying to understand from our members 
what's important to them. We actually um, really put a big focus on this in the past year. We implemented a series of focus groups every other week called Sam's Fans, where we're bringing um, a group of members into a virtual sort of room with a with a behind the glass team and asking them questions. And that's anything from do you like our exit technology? How do you feel about being stopped from the on the way you go out of the club to um, really deep questions? And how, how does your associate interaction make you feel if you're a Snap customer? Are we succeeding there? And we're um, so we're taking that pulse from our members every other week. And that's really helped drive our strategy so that we know what's important to them and what they want to hear from us. And then on the art side, we've done a ton of experimentation. I have always been kind of a curious person. And um, I like to take my campaigns and think about how we can iterate on them and drive a test, whether that's what if we open with this visual versus that visual? What if we try it a different format? What if we tried a different voice or a different perspective? And we've, as a burgeoning social media brand, we've had a lot of bandwidth to do that kind of testing. You're like the data addicted PR person. That's like a unicorn. I didn't know that person existed. It's like, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> a PR person who loves to do experiments and testing. Like, wow, Natalie, right here. Golf clap. That is, uh, yeah, that is extraordinary. Adam. Thank you. Thank you very much. I know one of the things that you shared with us uh, before we started the show were a couple of brands that you feel are are doing a wonderful job. And and you even uh, spoke to specifically some of the things Sephora, Ben and Jerry, some of these brands are doing. Without a doubt, you're doing some uh, some amazing things, and the transformation that that you are are making is, is 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 spectacular. Talk a little bit about kind of why you've you said that Sephora and Ben and Jerry's are your north stars for what the social team there at Sam's Club is, is trying to do, and what do you take from from brands like that? Yeah, absolutely. Sephora is one that that will probably come up a lot in these conversations. They are they are kind of a north star for our entire team. Um, one of the things that they do that we love so much is is that they humanize their brand. Um, Sephora's We Belong to Something Beautiful campaign is so real. And it really brings this, this human angle to makeup, which is something that could easily be a, a very topical type of product and a very topical type of conversation. And it's not about beauty. It's not about a standard that is ir- unreachable for many people. It's about the way that it makes you feel. And I love seeing their stories because they embrace so much diversity and they're so inclusive. And at the same time, what I love about Sephora is that they are just absolutely busting the myth that people won't watch long form content. And I've seen that on the Sam's Club side as well. You know, as marketers, we can often get pigeonholed into, oh, it can't be longer than 15 seconds. Oh, it can't be longer than eight seconds. And it's really hard to tell a story in eight seconds. And I've seen with Sephora and I've seen with the content that we've been creating recently that that people will watch a video if it's good. (laughs) They will engage with content for 60 seconds, 90 seconds. And I, I love seeing brands understand 
what it takes to get someone to watch for that amount of time. And it's, and for me, that is that humanizing angle that gets people to watch. I think Jay and I agree for why we like brands like Sephora, because as you said, uh, they're telling stories. And I'm curious uh, with that storytelling aspect, uh, Sam's Club, as you said, social first, but not social only. You're having to use other media. You're wanting to use other media to, uh, to tell that story. Talk a little bit about how you do tell those stories using multiple channels and how you work with putting together the editorial calendar that includes this. And again, working with your colleagues, your agencies to make sure that those same stories are resonating on different channels and different media. Yeah, the storytelling part has been has been really interesting. You know, the primary objective and the, the the biggest thing that I want people and customers to understand about Sam's Club is our is the quality of our products. Yes, we know people join a warehouse brand because they want to save money. Pricing is the expectation. So we're trying to demonstrate the the what next and trying to demonstrate that that quality. And we've quickly found that um, not every product, even, no matter how high quality the product itself may be, not every product has a great story behind it. And so we've really had to train ourselves in being investigative journalists and digging deep and asking questions of our, our merchants and our leaders to understand what the angle is that um, that will appeal and humanize that story. And then once we find that angle, it's usually a, a fun fact of someone going above and beyond to create the absolute best product. Um, I'll give an example. We, we created some content around our coffee, our members mark coffee, and the, the buyer actually worked with coffee tasters. She traveled to several different com- countries. So they experimented with the roast and she ended up with a talking point that was something like, you know, I've tasted over 100 cups of coffee to get to the best brew. And so the idea is that we we're demonstrating that this person had this actual person, not a robot, not an algorithm, an actual person has put together the perfect cup of coffee for you. And if you realize that she has done that and that we have put that much effort into a K-cup product or an instant coffee product. I don't know if I'm allowed to plug Keurig, but if we've put that much effort into a K-cup, we are putting that much effort into every single thing that we put on the shelf. And that comes to life social first, primarily in the video where we show this person's face, we tell their story, but then we also can replicate it across channels. We can include an excerpt of that in a print piece. We can put some verbiage around the effort that went into the product into the packaging. And so at every point of the customer journey, they understand that um, they're not just buying a cup of coffee. They're buying something that someone has poured their heart and soul into to get them a great cup of coffee. Natalie, I love that because you're you're telling a story. You're taking something like a cup of coffee. You're telling a story about it. You're creating a journey. This person has traveled around the world searching for that perfect cup. That is is storytelling at its uh, at its basis. Last question uh, before I hand back over to Jay, as it relates to these stories. Um, obviously, you're working with your internal departments at Sam's Club, but I'm curious if. 
the storytelling and your social first strategy also has you working with your vendors, uh, whether it's a, a new product launch from uh, from, a, from a Procter & Gamble or an organization like that, or, or something even small and maybe even local. How much do the vendors kind of come into your, uh, your social mix, or are there pretty firm kind of walls between the two? What's interesting to me as a marketer and as someone who worked with the merchandising organization for the first several years of my career at Sam's Club is that that same level of effort and that same intention is put into our relationships with suppliers um, and, and brand name suppliers as it is for the private label brands that we developed. I think it would be, it would be easy for us to think that if you're the merchant in OTC, for example, then you're just, you're just buying Tylenol, right? It's, and there's not a lot of, you you might think that there's not a lot that goes into that. Um, I actually went on a trip with the buyer for Tylenol once, and we went and visited Johnson and Johnson. And it's incredible the knowledge that our merchants have, and they're partnering with these big companies, these P&Gs, these J&Js, and they really understand the research that goes into their product and their they understand when it should be rec- when it's recommended for use, what the ingredients are, how FDA regulations are changing, and so telling the story for me is n- it's not about the product itself. Tylenol is Tylenol, but I understand that the person who who buys Tylenol has this incredibly deep knowledge of why that item makes sense for a specific customer. And she has this passion for telling the customer when they should be using an acetaminophen product versus using an ibuprofen product. And and that's the story that I want to tell. You know, we're not here to to simply promote all of our CPG brands, although certainly we are a house of brands and that's one of the many things that our members look look to us for. But when we think about a social first campaign or a social first strategy, what gets people engaged is understanding the effort that we put into that. Unsung heroes, for sure, over there on the merchant side, no question about it. Natalie, thank you so much for your wisdom and your candor and your ideas. I know the social pros community is richer as a result. We want to ask you two questions we ask everybody here on the big show. First, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Oh, I actually have two tips. Um, okay. My, okay. Let me, let, hopefully that's okay. Um, my two tips are to be choosy and to be fearless. And those can sound like they're a little bit contradictory, but I think that you should be choosy in what you are going after. Not every Not every product that we have has a hero story behind it, even though every product that we have is great. Not every channel is right for us to to communicate to our audiences on. And so we've got to be very intentional about about what we do and what we stand for. Um, But then I also say be fearless because that experimentation is what drives the brand, as is staying true to what we stand for. And we can't allow fear to pre- to prevent us from living out our brand values. 
Well said. Uh, speaking of products, I'm going to ask you another question. I'm going to ask everybody this now uh, in the rest of our Slams Club deep dives. And I just thought of it. What is your all-time favorite thing that Sam's Club has sold? Okay. All-time favorite thing that we still sell is a product called Gouda Pimento Cheese Dip. Yeah. It is a it is a pimento cheese product that is um it, that is sold as a in the fr- in the freezer cooler section, shredded cheese, shredded shredded shredder, shredded gouda, garlic, pimentos, mayonnaise, pretty easy recipe. It's fantastic. It tastes delicious. It tastes really, really good if you put it in a skillet and uh, put it under the broiler for a little bit. But the reason that it's my favorite product is that my mom thinks that she invented it for Sam's Club. My mom has been making a Gouda pimento cheese recipe for years. And then I began working at Sam's Club. At this point, I I don't even think I knew the name of the person who was developing these products. But then when I began working at Sam's Club and within a year, this product is on our shelves. My mom thinks that she invented this product for Sam's Club and it's adorable. And I just let her continue thinking that. And now I can't let her listen to this podcast but that's why it's my favorite product. The royalty checks are in the mail, uh, Natalie's yes. mom. Uh, there's going to be some back uh, interest on that. It's gonna be, Adam, I get the impression that you are familiar with this Gouda oh, cheese bread. It is so good, Jay, on a Triscuit. And Natalie, your your tip is is tops. You've got to put it under the broiler or put it in the toaster oven. Uh, and it's it's magical. You even slice a little bit of jalapeno and, and put a little, little slice on uh, on each one. Yes, I completely concur. There you go, Social Pros fans. Gouda Pimento Cheese Dip at your local Sam's Club. Get your membership now. Tell them Social Pros sent you. Last one for you, uh, Natalie. If you could do a video call uh, with any living person, uh, who would it be as long as they invented a cheese dip? I'm going to have to go with Jane Fonda. And she may or may not have invented a cheese dip. I'll have to ask her when we chat. Um, I just think she is a fascinating person. She's taken her fame and then parlayed it into this activism. She's in her 80s and out there getting arrested for um, being an activist and and participating in demonstrations all the time. Uh, She's kind of my hero. Yeah, she's... She's an ass kicker, that's for sure. Uh, like you talked about that about being fearless and choosy. I think that's a really good description of her perspective uh, on life. So I think your answers fit together very nicely, Natalie. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for uh, being our second guest in the big Sam's Club Social Pros Deep Dive. Listeners, don't forget, uh, all the show notes will be at socialpros.com, including org charts. You can kind of see how everybody fits, the cast of characters, if you will. Uh, Next episode, which you can binge right now, because again, we release these all at the same time, uh, is with uh, Mackenzie and Hunter, who do a lot of the day-to-day Uh, social care and channel selection. So we're going to do some uh, granular talk about, uh, you know, TikTok and stuff like that next time. Natalie, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Adam, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was. Uh, Natalie gave us some great insights on how social works in a large organization and that social first strategy. I think we're going to hear that more and more from uh, from large, both Fortune 100 and Fortune 10,000 type companies uh, as, uh, as our world continues to evolve. Can't wait for the next episode. I'm Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. He's Adam Brown from Salesforce. This is hopefully your favorite podcast in the entire world. 
This has been Social Pros. Social Pros.